You're listening to the Organize My Thoughts podcast, where we teach you how to get out of your head so you can execute the vision. I am your host, Kyla Jackson. Let's get started. Hello, family, and welcome back to another episode of the Organize My Thoughts podcast. You guys, I'm super excited for this episode, and I know y'all think the title is very confrontational, which it is, which is probably why I'm so excited. I love when God just plucks us all upside the head and gets us back on track. But before we get into today's episode, I just want to just just take a moment to just celebrate. I was actually featured in my first article in Shout Out LA, and I want you guys to check it out using the link in the show notes. And I'm sharing this because I am getting used to celebrating myself. I feel like for so long, I have been taught to dim my light so that I can just hide and all these other things. And so as much as I encourage you guys to celebrate yourselves and to take moments of rest, I want to show you guys that I am taking my own advice and that we are literally a community learning to do this together. And so support me, you guys, by checking out the article, sharing it. Um, it's really a beautiful journey for me because I feel like in this season, as God is unveiling me to me and also to the public, it just feels good to stand in confidence for once and not be in that place where, like I said, when I first started this journey, even with the podcast, I told you guys about my story where I was in this, you know, five year creative depression. And I felt like I didn't understand, you know, what I was supposed to be doing in life. I was very frustrated. I was like riddled with anxiety and low self-esteem. And so to see where God has brought me in such a short amount of time almost brings me to tears. And I just want to share that with you guys because you are my family, my community, you guys support me. And I absolutely love supporting you guys. And I'm just so grateful. So yes, go check out that article. The link is in the show notes. Okay, so today's episode is going to be a continuation from last week's episode where we talked about how long are you going to hide behind confirmation. It was a very confrontational episode. I got all up in your business and after God got all up in mine. And so now today we're going to actually look at a character from the Bible who we can all really resonate with. And I, I love doing this because I feel like the Bible is such a great place for us to see ourselves and other people. A lot of times, I, I know this funny saying that always says that something that irritates you about someone else is usually something that you do. And so when you're reading the Bible or you're reading anything or you're talking to somebody and they're irritating you, you should really take an internal look at yourself and say, what is it that they're doing that I do? And sometimes you may say, oh, it's not something that I do, but then the Holy Spirit has a way of revealing the times that you did do that thing or how you can act that way in a certain situation. And so as we're reading um, this passage of scripture today, I really want you to not only understand that People have experienced what you've experienced before. They've experienced that insecurity. They've experienced that fear and just not feeling qualified. And they've had to face situations that God has called them to do that were bigger than them, but also to see how they, how God helped them to get to the root and how God consistently showed up for them and helped them to work through those things. And I also want you to pay attention to how God didn't let their insecurities and their fears excuse them from the responsibility of being obedient, because that's a huge thing. A lot of times when God is calling us to do something that is uncomfortable or stretches us, 
um, to the point where we have to completely rely on him. A lot of times we will try to use excess confirmation as really procrastination. And what happens is we're constantly saying, oh, I'll just put it off until I have more confirmation. I'll put it off until I have more direction. I'll put it off until the more resources come. But what we're really doing is delayed disobedience. It doesn't matter if your disobedience is immediately or it's over a period of time. The longer you wait to do something after God has given you the first step, the more disobedient you're being and the more consequences that follow. Now, the consequences may not sprout up immediately. We have um, eternal and we have temporal, temporal consequences. And so a lot of those temporary consequences may be delays in your finances. You may be in a season for longer than you should be. You may even start to experience, um, physical things. Like I know there's been some times where I felt like I couldn't sleep or my sleep was interrupted or, uh, I was having crazy dreams. There were disturbances in, you know, in my dreams or I was experiencing anxiety or something like that. Those are all signs that those aren't just random things. Those are, signs that something is out of alignment. You may experience different things in like your relationship. You just have no idea how the consequences of your actions will sprout up. And so you really want to be paying attention to just the urgency of when God says something. So let's get into this passage of scripture. We're going to be in Judges chapter six today. And I absolutely love the book of Judges. In this particular story, we're going to be reading about Gideon And let me give you a little bit of context about what's happening in this story. So at this time, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They were worshiping idols and just doing all type of pagan and evil practices. And so the Lord handed them over to their enemies who were the Midianites. Now, previously, Israel was God's beloved. He protected them from all their enemies. He allowed them to win all their battles and they were still acting up. So they just still decided to be disobedient and pick up all of the traditions of the land that they were supposed to be taking over. And so God was like, okay, y'all want to act up. And in his love and his mercy, he had to bring them to a point of repentance. So again, they were doing idolatry and all of these things. And so God handed them over to the Midianites. So now we're in this time where the Israelites are extremely oppressed by the Midianites. They are destroying their food sources. They are just treating them horribly. And the Israelites are crying out and they're like, God, like, please help us. Why, you know, you see this going on. And they don't even realize that all of this is a result of their idolatry and their disobedience. And so remember, we just talked about how sometimes the things that we do, they have consequences that we don't necessarily draw back to our disobedience. But you have to remember that for every action, there is a reaction and you don't get to control what reaction comes up from whatever disobedience you're in. So let's go ahead and jump into the passage of scripture. I am going to jump around a little bit, but I want you to get the whole context of the story. So I'm reading out of the New Living Translation and it's called Gideon Becomes Israel Judge. And this is Judges chapter 6. It says the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. So again, the Israelites are now getting attacked by the Midianites and they're coming into the land that the Lord gave the Israelites and they're being oppressed in their own land. Then it says they left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. 
These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord. Now, I really want you to pay attention to the fact that the Lord has allowed the Israelites, everything that he blessed the Israelites with, the cattle, the sheep, their crops, all those things that he called blessed, he has now allowed them to be turned over to their enemies because of their rebellion. And at this point, the Israelites still don't realize that this is all happening because of actions that they have made. And so that's when they finally say, okay, we, we, they've reduced their pride. They're at the point where they are helpless. And then they recognize that they need to call out on the Lord. A lot of us are waiting until our situations are in turmoil before we recognize that we need the help of God. God isn't only available in situations where there's no other hope. You should be calling on God daily and in daily repentance to make sure that you're not falling into things that will turn you away from him. Like I said, in this case, they were idolatry. idolatry. They were worshiping other gods. So let's pick up at verse 7. It says, When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. So now this is the first time that they're actually hearing why all these things are happening to them. And God in his kindness and his mercy is now going to raise up the deliverer for this particular situation. So it says in verse 11, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abizir, my bad y'all. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Now, when it says that he was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press, you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. That's not even something that you do. But it had gotten so bad in the land that he had to literally hide the grain that he was using because they were the Midianites had stripped them bare from every food source. They were literally starving at this point. And so they were in such fear that they had to do everything in secret and in private. So now it says in verse 12, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Verse 13, Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Now, When I first read this, I was like the audacity of Gideon to say, after the Lord had already sent a prophet to tell them that they were wrong, the audacity of Gideon to sit here and say that the Lord has abandoned them after they initially abandoned him, they initially abandoned God. It really blew my mind and it made me, and I think, remember we talked about how whatever irritates you is probably something that you do. How many times do we get frustrated with God and say that he's abandoned us when things are going our way, but we've had a role to play in it? How the, A level of pride that would make us accuse God as if he's not a good God, as if he's not a merciful God, as if he hasn't gone above 
all that we could even ask or think as if he hasn't been providing for us consistently, giving us new life, new grace and new mercies each and every single day. The audacity that we have to accuse such a pure and holy God because things aren't going our way. And so I really want us to keep in mind that See yourself in this situation. You're being oppressed. It seems like these people have just taken everything from you. And here God is trying to help you. And the first thing that we respond with is accusation. Now, this is not an attack on anybody personally because we all do this, but I want us to recognize this pattern. Why do we only blame God when things are going bad, but we forget to praise him when they're good? But I must take a pen in that and let's pick up at verse 14. It says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Verse 15, But Lord Gideon said, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Verse 16, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Now, what I think is so interesting about this is that the Lord didn't even respond to the accusations that Gideon made against God. I feel like he was just like, I'm going to let you slide on that one and we're going to get to the part of what I came here for. That's not what it's saying in the scripture, but that's just my ghetto interpretation. Okay. And the second thing that he does after he completely ignores what he said, he reminds him of why he came. You can see that when he first, the angel of the Lord first appeared to Gideon, the first thing that he said, he called him was, you mighty hero, the Lord is with you. He called him by an identity that Gideon did not recognize. The Lord was speaking to the Gideon that he had formed in his mother's womb, the one that he knew was going to be a deliverer for Israel at this time. He wasn't speaking to the Gideon that was hiding behind fear or insecurity. He wasn't even speaking to the oppressed uh, Gideon. He was speaking to the free Gideon. And so Gideon did not recognize that the Lord was calling him out of himself. He was calling him really to himself, to the version that he had saw him to be. And so, of course, Gideon responds in insecurity and he goes down all the reasons why he's not qualified to do what it is that God told him to do. Now, when we read this from the outside, we're looking at God and we know God to be God almighty, God who qualifies the unqualified, God who uses, you know, the foolish things to confound the wise. And we're sitting up here telling him that we're not qualified to do something that he predestined for us to do. He predestined it. He is the one who created us. He created us for his glory. And so who are we to tell God that he cannot use us for his glory when he designed every single part of our lives? He's written out every single stage. At this point where we're reading, he has already written the victory of Gideon's life on behalf of the Israels in his story. It's already written, but you can see immediately, like I said, that need you're going to see next coming up the need for confirmation because he could not fathom who God had called him to be because he had only seen himself so low his entire life. And then the next thing that he does is he reminds him that God will be with him. He says, I will be with you. It is my power. It's my hand and my strength that I'm sending with you. He said, literally go with the strength that you have, which means that he had already imparted a measure of strength in him to be obedient to what he told him to do. But then he also reminded him that he would not be fighting them on his own. He would be having the strength of the Lord. And he said that I am sending you. It's not saying that the people down the street send him. He said, I, the great I am Yahweh, I am 
sending you. And so I feel like it's so important for us to recognize that wherever God is calling us to do, that he is the one that is ordering us. We're not sending ourselves, but it's him. It is literally God that is sending us. Okay, so now we're in the point where Gideon is like, okay, Lord, you know, I'm hearing you. I'm really trying to wrap my mind around the fact that you're talking to me underneath this tree and I was minding my business. So like now I need confirmation. So the first confirmation he says, he tells the angel of the Lord to wait here while he goes to bring a, uh, a sacrifice. And so he does that. He brings the sacrifice. Um, he brings the meat and the basket and the broth. He puts it in a pot and puts it under the tree and the angel of the Lord consumes it. So then he realizes, he's like, oh my God, I have seen God. Like it really is you, God. I'm not going crazy. It's you that has called me. And so now we're here. One of the first things that God asked him to do was to tear down the pole or it was like basically an altar built to the God named Baal who they were worship who they were worshiping at that time which was an idol and so he does that and he did it at night because he was scared of what other people would think about him how many times has God called us to do something and we try to do it on the low low or we don't do it at all because we're worried about what other people will say again y'all can really find yourselves in um Gideon's story because it's really God revealing what's in us so that we can heal from it and so after he does that, then, you know, he realizes that he's really going to have to go out here and save the Israelites. And so we're skipping down to around verse 33, where Gideon now realizes that he needs an army to move forward with, you know, fighting the Midianites. It was over like 200,000 Midianites. Like they, it said they were as thick as locusts. So he was not fighting a small army. It was a huge battle um, against him. And so in verse uh, 36, he says to God, if you truly are going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me as you promised. And then he says, and that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a bowl full of water. Verse 39 says, then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use this fleece for one more test. This time the fleece will remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. And so during this short amount of time that God has now uh, com- called Gideon, confirmed him. He's done, he's answered all of the confirmation that Gideon needed to muster up the strength to do what he needed to do. But the point is, is that God had already said that he was with him. And that should have been enough confirmation on its own. But he felt like he needed so much. He needed like, if he felt like the word wasn't enough. Like, yes, the task was big, but honestly, he felt like the word wasn't enough. And so he had all of these different tests set up to remind him or to ensure to him that God was with him. But his word was enough. His word was honestly enough. And the fact that God had been sustaining them and preserving them all of this time should have proved to Gideon that he was in fact called to do what God was said he would do. And the fact that God already ensured their victory should have been enough. But a lot of times for us, we feel like it's not enough either. You know, we hear God telling us to do something. We hear and we see in his word where he says that he will give us victory. And he will be with us and he'll supply all of our needs. But the moment that we take our eyes off of him, then we start to be in ourselves. And then we have the voice of anxiety and fear talking in our heads and telling us the complete opposite. And so what I think is so 
powerful about the way that God dealt with Gideon is that, yes, he gave him the confirmation that he needed, but he still didn't let him delay for too long. He didn't allow him to procrastinate to the point of where he would not move forward because he understood the urgency of the task that he was calling Gideon to do. And he was still so loving and encouraging. But the point is, is that we have to get to the point where it shouldn't even take all that. They didn't even have the Bible like we do. Like they were literally hearing from God. God was appearing to them in visions and all these other things, but they didn't have the Bible. They couldn't say, oh, let me go to Judges chapter six to go read about somebody who's been through this before. They literally had faith. And so we don't have an excuse. We literally have the written word of God to be referencing. And I know it's not easy, right? Like we, there are some things where it's just scary. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a, a real test of faith when God is calling you to do something that you've never done before. He's calling you to an industry that you've never been in before. He's calling you to do stuff and you don't have the money. But this is where it's so important, where we have to really establish a solid foundation with God from the beginning. We have to really be actively working on praying and fasting and studying the word because when the tests come up, you need to pass. You don't have time to be saying, oh, let me take a year to go see if you can do this and that before I move forward. Like, no, people's lives were on the line. Like, you may not be called to save an entire, you know, large group of people from being oppressed by their enemies, but God is calling you to start something that's going to be a seed. It's going to be a seed in the ground that's going to produce fruit that will save some people. It doesn't matter if God is calling you to do something that's only supposed to save one person. That one person could literally be responsible for saving an entire generation. You just don't understand that we have to stop underestimating what it is that God told us to do. Big obedience, small obedience. God, you, Have you noticed that God has not measured the amount of obedience? Obedience is obedience to God. Just do what God told you to do. It doesn't matter how you feel. You don't have to live on how you feel. The word is there to contradict your feelings. The word is there to give you a solid ground that's unbiased. It literally is from the spirit of God and it is the truth. And you use that to combat however you're feeling. Yes, how you're feeling is valid and you do that and you're vulnerable and open yourself up to God so that he can heal you from those insecurities. But you don't let your feelings paralyze you. You take those feelings and you deal with them and you rely on the word of God. And it takes time. It takes practice. But you will continuously grow in that skill as you use it, as you're being obedient constantly to God. And I'm definitely speaking this word to myself because it's, it happens to all of us. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey, how long you've been walking with God. There are always tests that require more and more of your faith. And so if you've been sitting on something that God has called you to do, he's not giving you no more confirmation. Get up and do the last thing he told you to do Move forward and just see the goodness and the glory of the Lord as he walks beside you. His word says in Philippians 4.19 that he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. That means he will supply all of your emotional, mental, physical, financial, whatever you need. He will supply all of those needs from where his riches and glory. That means his big stack up there that never runs out. That means everything that you're in need of, he will supply it from his unlimited reservoir, okay? We have everything that we need. Stop asking for confirmation and start moving. Stop asking for confirmation and start moving. Stop asking for confirmation and start executing. You can do this and you know why? Because God is with you. He's with you in the details. He's with you in the vision. He's with you in the planning. He's with you through the entire thing. 
So this wraps up another episode of the Organize My Thoughts podcast. I could go on and on about Gideon's story, but please continue to read it because there's so much more meat that I couldn't even cover in this episode. Again, that was in Judges chapter 6. If you're not already subscribed to my email newsletter, please click the link in the show notes so you do not miss these updates, this information, this meaty information that will help you to continue to become a better executor and even improve your relationship with God. Plus, I'll be doing some secret masterclasses that you definitely don't want to miss. I love you guys so much. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll talk to you on the next episode.